seems somewhat audacious, doesn't it, that we would say boldly, I approach the throne of the holy, awesome, living God. It's not an audacious idea at all. In fact, it's given to us by Scripture to have that approach. It's not our text for today, but I couldn't help but think of this when we were singing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, that's the word boldness, let us then with boldness draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's our hope. And that's the certainty that we have in Jesus Christ that we can actually approach God and His glory uh, with boldness and confidence because what Christ Jesus has accomplished and treasured to us, this isn't about us making our way to God. This is God coming to us, meeting us in the depth of our sin, taking our sin upon Himself by His beloved Son, Jesus, dying with it there, and resurrecting on the third day number one giving us victory over sin and victory over death as well so we can approach him with that kind of confidence that christ has overcome all things well i'm grateful that you're here as i'm just looking out there's several of you that i haven't spoken to yet and some of you haven't seen in a good while maybe old friends or folks that uh, are in the community and just haven't been here i hope to be able to see you and speak to you before you leave today if not uh, let's come back together again so we can speak to one another. I want you to, if you will, to look in your Bibles to 1 Peter. If you happen to be in Hebrews, where I was just reading, go a little bit towards the end and you'll find 1 Peter. I'd like for you to hold your place there. We're in a little four-part series, a little topical series on being Christian. Uh, typically, we work through books of the Bible, but every now and then when we're in between, it gives me an opportunity to speak about some topics, and this is one that I thought was important, being Christian. And so we talked the first week about believing as Christians and what that entails and how we ought to be confident in what we believe from God's Word and also test everything else that people say is God's Word. And then we talked about from believing, living as Christian and what it means to live in Christ and how we take those beliefs and move them into our daily application of life. And today I want to talk about being in Christian community. So believing as Christian, living in, as Christian, and living in Christian community. We have to ask this question because it's being asked today in the culture in which we live. Is church membership important? Does it matter if we live the Christian life in community or whether we are not living the Christian life in community. Does it matter either way? Can someone choose to know Christ, to read His Word, to sing some worship music periodically, and to uh, exercise in the mission, the call of Christ, to make disciples of nations, baptize them, and to teach them the commands of God? Is that possible and doable outside of the realm of living in community with other Christians? Is it important that we would gather weekly together? Do you need to be a member of Meadowbrook or some other church? I'm hoping by the end of our time together today, the answers will be certain to you from God's Word and that you and I will align ourselves to that. 
There's two things that I want to mention about church, and then I want us to just draw a distinction. One is to speak about the global church, what I call the universal or global church. And the second is to talk about the local church and to know the differences and the similarities of those two. The global church is this reference to the universal church of followers of Christ, the gathered followers of Christ. By the way, church in this term, ecclesia in the original language, means a gathering. So this is a gathering of people who are in faith, have been gathered by God, by His Holy Spirit, and they are corporate together. They have become part of the church, the universal church of Christ, and everyone who is a follower of Christ, one who has given themselves in faith and received new life after trusting in Jesus Christ, they are given access or brought into this global church, this universal church. They are made new in Christ and given a new nature and a new identity and connected together with all the family of God. That's the global church. Along with every other follower of Jesus Christ who accepts his teaching and lives out the call of the life that he's called for each of us, placing our hope and trust and duty unto him, we have become part of God's family. Or we are part of the body of Christ. We are part of this global church. So in Christ, we are part of the global church, a community of believers that's now been going strong for two millennia. What does it mean to be in community with them all over the world? Well, community in the sense that we have the same eternal Father, we have the same glorious Savior, His name is Jesus Christ, and we have the same indwelling Holy Spirit. A community in that we hold and believe the Bible to be true and we live according to it, sola scriptura, that it is the authority of our living. And we have that in common. We're in community with other people like that. We're in community since we worship the triune God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And we have community in that we have the same marching orders to go throughout all the world and tell people about the glorious good news of Jesus, teaching them about Christ and his commands and baptizing them into the life of Christ and into the community of believers called the church. We are part of something that is inexpressibly larger than us. And that brings some great certainty to us as a church. It's astounding when I have the opportunity to go and visit some of the global church in the world. Have opportunity to sit down with them and worship with them and hear the proclamations that they give. And many times I'm invited to proclaim on behalf of Meadowbrook and on behalf of Jesus Christ proclaim the Bible to them in those places and it's always just takes me a step back when I'm there it's usually in another country among a tribe that I've not really grown up with haven't known some of those I've known now for a good while and others I'm still being introduced to or maybe they even speak a language that I don't know and when they're singing the worship songs and I hear them singing those songs, there's something about the connection in their worship to the triune God that connects in my spirit. And it's just a, an astounding moment of recognition that God's global church is strong and it's huge, it's vast. 
when I hear them proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and when I see them hold the Bible in their hand and proclaim its good news, although I may or may not understand what they're saying through the interpreter, I can hear the truth and know that they are in line with me and I'm in alignment with them. We're part of the global church. And I'm taken aback in those moments because it causes me to rejoice in the day when the Lord Jesus will come with a shout like that of a trumpet and it will blast forth and all the church will be called forward to meet the Lord in the air and together the global church will suddenly be seen because although I have been in pockets of those places where God's global church has been positioned I have not seen the vast majority of them and neither have you we've never laid eyes on them we probably won't lay eyes on them until the Lord comes for his church it's a massive massive church did you know they're estimated 37 million local churches that make up the global church of jesus christ serving 2.4 billion people it's an amazing work of god throughout the world the global church and if your faith is in jesus christ then my friends you are in the global church of jesus christ the universal church of christ now, there's a lot of scripture that points to both the global and the local church and the connection between the two of them, but I'm going to just zoom in on one, and it's out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. If you have your Bibles, I'd love it if you just read through your scripture with me. Here's what Peter is writing this passage of scripture, and he's uh, giving them great connection in chapter 2, telling them who they are and uh, what what God has called them to be he says but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light now who are these people these are people of various races of various nationalities of various expressions of languages but God has chosen them and God has made them to be a royal priesthood of saints. God has made them to be a nation unto himself, ushered them into the kingdom of his beloved son and God has given them a common uh, verbiage of the gospel, the excellencies of Jesus Christ. God has brought the universal church together and he continues to do that to this day. The church is growing strong it may not be growing in the United States of America right now, but I'm telling you throughout the world, the church is growing strong. In places that you and I would scratch our head, how can the church grow there? God is growing it, and it is thriving and doing exceptionally well. Verse 10, but once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So all Christians are part of this global church of Jesus. But we have to ask ourselves the question, how do we obey the commands of God to connect people to Christ, to grow them into maturity and discipleship so that they can be disciplers? And how do we serve if the church is global? If the church includes vast numbers of people and localized churches that we will never lay eyes on, never hear them speak, never have conversation with them until the day of glory. If the church is so vast and so huge, how do we ever engage the commands of God as a church? 
Well, of course, the obvious answer is the universal church, this global church of God, finds the expression of ministry and obedience through the local church. The local church is the expression of the global church and what God commands of the entirety of his church. It's clear from the instructions in the Bible that every follower of Jesus Christ is a member of the global body of Jesus Christ and that every Christian follower is meant to be a functional member of the local church. There has been some disconnect in our culture from a genuine faith in Christ and a disconnect to the local church. I'm going to tell you that is an atypical model in the Bible. It is not modeled there. Wherever there is a person in faith pursuing Christ since Pentecost, that person has been exercising that faith in Christ through the local church. There is no disconnect. Now, I know it's the commonality of today. We just want to be spiritual. We just want to have Sundays to ourselves. Oh, my goodness, friends, you're missing out on so much when you miss out on the local church and the expression of God and obedience to his word through the local church. So I, I encourage you to reconsider that kind of thought. A few weeks ago, I was listening to Alistair Begg. I don't know if you listen to him, but I enjoy listening to him periodically in the mornings and he was talking about the biblical metaphors for church in the Bible. These metaphors that God has given to us, and he was pointing out the essential nature of the uh, plurality of that metaphor that God is using, has used. For instance, a flock, which Jesus would often use a flock as a metaphor for the church, the gathering of the saints, those who are called unto himself, a flock requires more than one sheep, more than one goat, right? A flock requires more than one. A building requires more than one brick. A body requires more than one limb. A family requires more than one person. All the metaphors that Jesus uses in the scripture are used in a plural sense. It requires people, and so the Spirit of God has drawn us together, partnering us together to connect together that we might be a flock unto Christ. We might be a fold unto Him. We might be a building unto Him. We might be a body unto Him. And we might be a family unto Him. We are meant to be connected in that way. We are all meant to be connected to the local body of Christ. Now, this is evident throughout the, the New Testament, the epistles especially. I just want to point out uh, the beginnings of the New Testament are a great place to slow down when you're reading. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and I was reading epistles uh, in the scripture, I would often read through very quickly the greetings and get on to the heart of the letter um, because the greetings just seemed to be words that were building to that, that uh, body of the letter. How foolish is that? Slow down when you're reading the epistles. Slow down and read the greetings. Read them because they are full of great theological truths. And there's just words and phrases that if you'll just pause and reflect on them by the Spirit's instruction, He will give you great insights to truths. And here's one from, the, from 1 Peter, which we read just a moment ago, verse 
chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. But if you look at the very first of this, the greetings in the, the letter of 1 Peter, you'll read this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Let me pause here just to remind you of a little biblical history. In AD 70, when there was a great persecution that came against Christians, you know, all of Rome turned against the Christian world and Jerusalem was pretty much destroyed. The temple was destroyed as well. And many Christians were martyred and heavily persecuted. Those who were not killed were heavily persecuted. And there was a driving out of the Christians in Jerusalem. And that is the dispersion. Uh, can I remind you that that is going on right now, not in Jerusalem, but it's going on in various places in the world, including Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, and places like that, where there is intense persecution. And that persecution has brought a destruction of many lives and the scattering of many people. Many people lost everything, and as they are scattered, God is in the midst of that. God is always in the midst of all things. He is sovereign over all things. And He is in the midst of the dispersion, whether it's in AD 70 or 2019, God is in the midst of that. And for every person that has been dispersed who has faith in Christ and the Word of Christ, they are taking that Word to various places. It's an amazing thing when the multiplication happens in that way. But here there, there are people who are dispersed and Peter is writing to them now these are not cities these are not names of churches these are regions he says to the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus Galatia Cappadocia Asia and Bithynia according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood may grace and peace be multiplied to you now, what's happening is this letter is being written to the global church that is now dispersed, and it's dispersed in what is now modern-day Turkey. Those are all the places that are listed in that particular letter. And you can see the regions throughout Turkey. The names of those are on the, the screen, be it to the far west. You have Asia and then uh, Pisidia down south, Bithynia was mentioned, Pontus was mentioned, and the heart of it is Galatia, and then the Cappadocia is there to the far right. You can see all those regions, and what Paul is do, uh, Peter is doing is he's written a letter that he wants to go throughout those areas. Now, if it were just you and me today, I'd write that letter, and I'd send out an email to all those churches and to all the lists, the data list that we have of all the Christians in Turkey. And I would try to send that out to them or I'd post it on Facebook, hashtag Turkey, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. We could see that that would be pretty easily done, but what if you're a guy who's writing it out by hand, sending it by a messenger to the churches in those areas? Then it has to be rewritten by other people and it gets dispersed and the local church gathers together and they hear the letter. And once they hear the letter and get the insight from the letter and treasure it, then they send it off to the next local body of believers. And it goes all throughout the region. It's an amazing thing that God has done. Now, watch this. As we turn the page uh, in the letter that is written to Galatia, we'll just zoom in for a moment and turn the page over to Galatians, a letter that Paul wrote specifically to that church in the region of Galatia. Now look what he writes to that church in the sole region of Galatia 
he writes, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead to all the brothers who are with me, excuse me, and all the brothers who are with me. They're, they're writing this letter, and here's who it's to, to the churches of Galatia. Now we have the global church, some of whom have been dispersed to a populated area, which is modern-day Turkey. And in the middle of that, you have the region of Galatia. And now Paul is saying, I'm writing this letter to the local churches in Galatia. It just kind of keeps tightening down. You see what he's doing here? Now watch what he says. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is written to them. Now watch the instruction. It's coming up on the screen. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now how do you do this in a global context. How do you bear one another's burdens? How do you know the sins of each other? And how do you go to those who are sinning in the body of Christ in the global context or even in the regional context or even in the multitude of churches that are in any given area? You can't. You have to be engaged in the local church and be in relationship with people in order to exercise the commands of Christ for his church. The local church is essential. Now, here's what he's saying. Be in relationship together so that you can help those who are in their transgressions. Be careful lest you fall into that yourself. Walk with people in your church so that you can carry the burdens with them. Walk along the journey with them as they are carrying a burden. Walk with them. That is the local church. Now, some of you would say, yeah, yeah, preacher, that's exactly right. And can I just tell you, preacher, that's the problem I have with the local church. I don't want to be involved in people's lives, and I really don't want them involved in my life. I'm just going to put it out here. If that's your idea, then you have an idea that is counter to the Bible. If you're thinking that you can do Christianity on your own and other people can do Christianity on their own without the connection of the local body, you're wrong in your thinking. We need each other. I'm just going to put it right out here to you. I need you. And you need me. And you need the people around you. You need people in a life group. You need people in a mission effort. You need people in ministry together. You need one another. It's the essential quality of the church. Not just a gathering where we come and we remain, remain anonymous, but that we are engaged in life together. That we understand the temptations that we each have. And that we help each other in the midst of those temptations and we are careful not to come in them on our own as well and we carry the burdens with people and we journey with them in the hardships of life and we celebrate them in the joys of life we need each other and not everybody is believing that uh, Kay and I have some property and we like 
well I like to work on that property a good bit like splitting wood and you know, putting fires in a fire pit and, and knowing that I split the wood there cut it and split it and all that but when it comes down to it when you're doing that work every now and then you get pretty good sized splinter in your hand I'm right handed and if I get a splinter in my left hand and look at that I'm thinking how am I going to get that out I'm talking about a, a pretty good sized splinter I have to with my right hand get that out in fact if if I didn't have my right hand to do that I'd have to go to Kay and ask her to get that out so let's just play for a minute and just say my right hand decided you know I don't think I want to mess with that today I don't think I want to pull on that splinter today I think I'll just leave that splinter right there you can you can live with it but I don't know about you I know I'm kind of weak <laughs> But that splinter has my attention. Is it like that for you when a splinter, I mean, it's as small as can be in comparison to the rest of your body, but that splinter gets my attention. My brain says the entire time, you better get that out. That's hurting. My eyes look at it constantly. It'll radiate the pulse up my arm. I just feel that thing. It's like, get out. But let's just say my right hand says, no, I really don't want to be involved like that. If I left that in there, it's a pretty good size. If I leave that in there over a couple of days, it's going to turn red. And it could be over a number of days, it will be infected. And that infection could creep beyond the spot to the hand, to the arm, and it will affect the whole body. And it will even affect the right hand that said he didn't want anything to do with it. You can't disassociate a limb of the body and still be a whole. God has made it that we are to be intertwined, interdependent on each other, that we need each other, and we need to go to one another, and we need others to come to us. Are you willing to do that? I hope you are, because that's really where the beauty of the church is found, the togetherness. If you decide you want to be part of the global church, through faith in Jesus Christ, but you'll pass on being fully engaged as a member of the local church, then you'll not only miss out on the greater opportunities of God for your life, but everybody else in that body will miss out as well. So I'm imploring you to be engaged in this local body of faith. We're each called to be family in the family of God, and that call comes individually. But when we receive this call individually to come to faith in Christ, he moves us immediately into an interdependent relationship with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, be it in the global scale or in the local scale, both of them. This is your family called Meadowbrook. And it's the purpose of the Holy Spirit to build up this family, Meadowbrook. And I pray that God will continue to do that. Uh, families have interesting dynamics, don't they? I think about my own family and the families that I have seen around and maybe my friends and their families. Families are basically filled with three people. They're filled with those who are called normal. Normal is a relative term. I'm talking about the normality in your family. Your family may not be very normal, but if that's the normal for you, I'm talking about that that there is a normalcy in your family. Everybody has that, whatever normal is. 
And then everybody has in their family at least one person who is cray-cray. You, you know what that is, right? You probably thought of that person immediately when I said cray-cray. And if you didn't think of anybody, you are it, okay? Uh, everybody has at least one of those. And everybody seems to have in their family one of those people who says, I'll see you next year if I have to. They have that kind of attitude. And just pull back. We have those in our family as well. They're just disengaged. They've never wanted to be engaged. They want to be on their own and not really part of the family itself. And they pull back. I don't know about you, but when I think about those people, I think about what we're missing. They really do have much to offer to the family they would just open up and be willing to share in the family. And I really do want to share love with those people, and I, in turn, would like to receive love back from them. But they're just pulled back. Every family seems to have that person or more. Can I ask you a very personal question? Are you that person in the faith family of Meadowbrook? Are you the one that just kind of holds back? I'll see you next time if I have to. I'll see you sometime. I'll stay on the fringe. Can I just tell you, as your brother in Christ, I miss out when you're not here. I miss the expressions of love that you can give, and I miss being able to love on you. I'm asking you to come, open your heart, engage and exercise in the faith that God has given to you and do it through the local church. Come back. Enjoy the company of your brothers and sisters. Let's speak into each other and build each other's lives. I'm certain that God has chosen every person who has been saved or will be saved and he has placed them in his glorious kingdom. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That God has predestined for adoption us as sons and daughters of his according to the purpose of his will. This was God's choosing, and I am just as confident that the Holy Spirit has chosen specifically every person who is to be connected to the local body called Meadowbrook. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, God arranges the members in the body, each one of them he has chose. God has done that. So God has chosen you specifically to be related to him and related to each other. God has chosen us to engage in each other's lives, to love each other and to build each other up, edify one another. He has chosen us to serve together, to mature together and to accomplish together. We do all that better when we're together. Our purpose is to do this in the local body of Jesus Christ until he gathers us to himself. And he's going to do that. One day he is going to gather Meadowbrook, the local body Meadowbrook, along with all the other bodies of Christ in this region of Etowah County, and we are going to meet the glorious global church with the Lord in the air. It's coming. 
until that time, may the expressions of our ministry be found in the local church. May we exercise in that. Soon we're going to have a new worship complex. We have made almost all the plans. Construction drawings are now coming online. Contractors are being talked to, and soon we will begin breaking ground. And I can tell you, because I've been insightful to the building committee and what all they're doing and all the architects and the builders and what they're talking about, it is going to be a wonderful building inside and out. It is going to be an audiovisual spectacular. All the things that we could afford that will make the music and the proclamation that much richer, we will do. The connection spaces are going to be so beneficial to us as a church, places where we can spend time together. I can tell you they are going to make us say, wow, and as wonderful as that building is going to be, as glorious as it is, it is not the church. You are the church. You are the church. It doesn't matter where we meet. Shoot, we've been over 10 years in the gymnasium. I've met on dirt floors with bamboo sticks for walls and thatch for ceiling. I've met in the open air under mango trees from the Caribbean all the way to Africa. And I can tell you the church thrives because the people are the church. What about you? Have you connected to this local body? Has the Holy Spirit given you instruction that this is the place where you can minister, where you can serve? Is this the place where God wants to speak into you through other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ? And is this the place where you can be spoken into and speak back into their lives? I pray that it could be. You are the church. Linked together in membership of this church, we have opportunity to display to the world what church is meant to be. What is church? It's a gathering of people declared by Jesus to be saints, but still struggling in the flesh they were born in. It's a gathering of people who are susceptible to temptation and the weaknesses of the flesh. Some people will twist that and say, oh, I'm not going to go to church because all they are is a bunch of hypocrites. I'm going to tell you, what we are is declared saints by God in Christ Jesus who still struggle with the sins of our flesh. If you call that hypocrisy, so be it. I'm transparent about it. That I am yet to be holy. But I can tell you the declaration of Christ over my life. And I can tell you what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. And I can tell you I am not pure yet, but I am on a journey of purity. I'm better than I have been. And God is calling me every step of the way, and He's using His church to do that. We are to be that expression to people. We are journeying in a sanctified way, being made holy by the work of the Spirit of God, declaration of Jesus and the pronouncement of his word we are people who struggle yes but we struggle better together we are growing more dynamically because we grow together and we are more faithful and more abundant because we do it together this is church 
Would you like to join church today? Or the first one to join is the universal church. You join that one not by a membership card. You join that one by trusting in Jesus as your Savior. Yielding your life to Him. Surrendering to Him. Being filled with Him. That's the universal church of faith. And if you're part of the universal church, then God wants you to be part of this local church. If not this particular local church, a local church that is a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-mission-minded church. Go to that place. Ask the Holy Spirit where He wants you to be, and He will direct you. Some of you have not yet connected in membership to this church. You've been coming for a long time. So much time that a lot of people think you're members and you're not. Probably about a third of you are not members of this church. Well, now you'll join the Lions Club as a member. You'll join the Rotary as a member. You'll join the Country Club as a member. Why would you not make a commitment to your church? I invite you to membership. I invite you to make the commitment. We're a family. We're, we're not like people that just live together. We're a family in a covenant relationship. Join the church. It increases the dynamics of your engagement in the church when you purpose to do that. I mention this card regularly at the beginning of our service. It's the welcome card, the connection card. And on the back of it, we have ways that you can connect. If you're here today and you're sensing the Holy Spirit of the living God has chosen you to be connected to this faith family and you've yet to do that, then I ask you to do it in obedience today. On the back, on the second box, you'll check that in. Now, typically we do not offer a membership course together in the summer because it's hard to lasso some of you folks in the summer uh, so we we wait till the end of the summer season but I'm going to tell you if a number of you check off box number two that you want to be part of the membership of this church I'm going to pull a luncheon together and we're going to spend some time together uh, on a Sunday afternoon and we'll we'll join together what God is doing if you're here today and you're a member and you are disconnected from ministry we want to help you get connected in ministry, and that third box is what you'll check. And I know it says there's a date coming up in the uh, latter time of the year in September, but I'm going to tell you, I will put in a course just for you, and that course will be about an hour, hour and a half, where we get together and we do some early work. We identify the kind of personality you have, the spiritual gifts that you may have, the talents, the interests, the personality, all those things get lumped together. And then we say, as it appears God has shaped you, you might consider these areas of ministry, and here's how you can make connection there. We would love to do that for you. You just check off that third box. And at the conclusion of the service today, as you're walking out, there's boxes at both doors. You just slip this into one of those boxes, and we'll let you know the next time that we get together for new members and people who are wanting to get engaged in the ministry of the church love for you to be connected in that way it might be some of you to hear today and the spirit has chosen you to be here because he wants you to come to faith 
in Jesus Christ. As we conclude with this final song, in a moment I'm going to have some staff standing down front, some others standing by, and I'm going to invite you to come forward and say, I'm trusting Jesus today. And as you do, let them pray with you and encourage you as you're making that kind of decision. Now, would you bow your head, please? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, what has God say, said to you during this time? Has he spoken hope to you? Has he spoken encouragement to you? Has he guided you in a direction that now you need to respond in obedience? Would you be the one to show him honor today by doing what he's called you to do? It's in love that he calls you to do it. Would you do that? Now, Father, we thank you for your word and how you have given us instruction by it. We thank you for the church and the beauty of it. We pray, Lord, that you'd find Meadowbrook and the people who make up the body of Christ here faithful to you and demonstrating well what it means to be gathered together as a local congregation, exercising in the biblical truth. We pray, Lord, for your spirit as he is speaking to people, even now to respond to your word. We pray that he would speak with clarity and that people would be able to understand his instruction to them that they might move in grace and discern his will and purpose. We pray this would bring glory and honor to Jesus.